I, my mom was a really great uh, track runner. And when she was running track in high school, one of the things she did and what she passed on to me, which I think is really, really valuable, she would place someone at a certain part of the track. And let's say she was running 1600 meter race. Okay, that's four laps, if I'm not mistaken. And she would have that person yell out her time. What she was racing was her previous time. She wasn't racing opponents. She wasn't racing someone to her left and someone to her right. She was racing her previous time. And what that led to was her sometimes beating people by long stretches, great distances. But she didn't focus on that because she was trying to race her previous time. And that is, has helped me a lot. I'm not trying to compete for that job next to some other actor. Yes, business is competitive. And yes, if you want to want the job, well, then being better than the next guy is going to increase your chances. But you can't really, especially in a subjective kind of art form, measure, am I better or worse? Like, a lot of times you get you don't get cast in something, not because you're better or worse, but because you're just different. And some things you can't control, my height, how I look, my hair color, my eye color. I can't control certain things about who I am. But I can control my work ethic. I can control my time. And I can get better than I was yesterday. So don't focus on where someone else is today, but focus on being a little bit better than you were yesterday. Welcome to In The Moment, an Anytown podcast. My name is Adam Louder. Thank you so much for listening, for subscribing. Follow, subscribe, like if you have not done so. I would love to hear. If you guys have any thoughts, leave a review, share it with someone that you think this would benefit. And today I wanna to talk about hard work, dedication, and the commitment of the craft. This is all about what you have control over. As many of you may know, and if you don't already, I do still act all the time, but I also teach acting one-on-one -on -one online to actors all over the world, which is why it's called Anytown Actors Lab, because I do believe that the next great actor can come from anywhere and that if only I could be for others what I wish was there for me when I was starting, I would do anything to see that through. That's what this is all about. That's why I make videos. That's why I do content. That's why I have a podcast. I teach actors one-on-one -on -one all over the world. I also teach actors in person in the Dallas-Fort Worth area of Texas. So if you do find yourself in either of those places and you're looking for more intensive training, please reach out, actorslab at anytownpictures.com. Without further ado, I wanna talk about an actor's commitment. What is the dedication that it requires for an actor to do what they do? I'm gonna give you a little bit of insight into what, what it took for me to get to where I am today in terms of my ability to act, what I'm working on, what I'm doing, and what it might take for someone like yourself out there. You know, There's this great quote, I love basketball, I played basketball for about 15 years, and so basketball players and, and basketball quotes and things like that, it's always been inspiring to me. There's, an, there's a, a basketball player named Damian Lillard. You may know him, he plays for the Milwaukee Bucks for a long time, he played for the Portland Trailblazers. He has this great quote, he said, if you wanna look good in front of thousands, you have to outwork thousands in front of nobody. If you want to look good in front of thousands, you have to outwork thousands in front of nobody. The actors of today and yesterday, whose work is timeless, whose work will stand the test of time because it's so great, they did something behind closed doors. They did something when no one was looking. We don't need to focus on celebrating our work and our work being lauded by the world. We need to focus on the work itself because if you show up to to act one day after you've won an award and you stink, the people there who work 
and who show up are only going to think of you as an actor who's not very good today. They don't care about your awards. They don't care about your name because your accolades and your past projects cannot do the current work for you. You have to know how to work. You have to know how to make choices. You have to know how to create a process, establish a way that works for you to, in my opinion, the goal being act truthful, to be a truthful, real, authentic actor. Great acting is acting that doesn't look like acting. It looks like living truthfully under imaginary circumstances. The foundation of truthful acting is the reality of doing. So I want to talk about what it was like for me in New York City when I was learning how to act, when I was trying to act, how many projects I did, how many auditions I went on, the callbacks, the good, the bad, and the ugly, just to give you a picture of, of my story, but also to give you insight into what it takes so that you can apply this to your own career and your own work ethic. When I moved to New York City, I was 17 years old. I went to basically the third school that I had auditioned for. I got in and I just went because it was in New York. The other two were in Texas. And that was two years of learning about what real acting looked like. You know, I, I studied with John Terrell, who was Sanford Meisner's student years and years and years ago. It was the best class I had taken at that school. The rest of it was helpful in some sense, but a lot of it, I, I felt like when I left, I just paid a lot of money to be self-conscious, which is uh, very frustrating in hindsight. Now I had financial aid and scholarships and stuff, so I wasn't in crazy debt, but at the same time, I didn't have much money. Uh, and when I was 19, I was on my own living in New York and just trying to figure it out. So I went to as many auditions as I could. I got terrible headshots to start out with. I just did everything that I could. I'll give you some, some select stories to give you some insight, but I started, uh, auditioning. The first thing I got was some voiceover work and I did that for about a year. It paid like a hundred bucks an hour. I thought it was the greatest thing in the entire world. Um, because I got to, in my mind, act, even though it wasn't really acting and get paid for it. I also booked a feature film that year, um, which came out in like 2012. Uh, and I was like, man, I'm really acting. This is great. And I got a bunch of short films and just random stuff, uh, throughout this first couple of years. Um, then I really wanted to elevate my career. I wanted to get guest spots on TV. I wanted to, uh, you know, be in feature films with people that I wanted to work with, you know, the greats. And I started to do something um, that I thought was was probably probably smart at the time, which was treat things like a business. So I started to track my own analytics. So I would I would write down the total number of submissions I made per week. I was subscribed to three different websites. I think it was Backstage Actors Access and Casting Networks. I had two agents at the time. They weren't really doing anything for me. With those submission channels, I would tally the total number of submissions per week total number of auditions I would get, total number of callbacks, and total number of bookings. And I remember saying, if I can just make the graph move in an upward trend, then I was doing a good job. And over that year, I did that. Now, the numbers were abysmal in my mind. I would submit to Roughly speaking, because I don't have the figures in front of me, I would probably submit to 30 projects a week. And I remember the percentages were in, in the first two categories around 1% to 2%. And then I think the callback rate was something like 20 to 30%. And then, you know, getting booked for something was something like 
40 per 30 or 40 percent something like that but i did this every single day going back to that quote if you want to look good in front of thousands you have to outwork thousands in front of nobody i kind of thought well everybody's probably doing something like this and i need to make sure that i'm doing everything i can to elevate my career and to increase my chances of getting to the next level where i wanted to be i want to be on tv i want to be in movies etc Something that I realized along the way was everyone that I had talked to at home said that acting is impossible. Making a career as an actor is impossible. Getting on TV is impossible. Getting in movies is impossible. And so I remember thinking, if I could just get inside that box, which is the TV, then I am proving to myself and others that it is possible. And so that became my goal. Get on TV, get on TV, get on TV. So I did. I was a featured extra in a series. I was an extra in other series. And I thought, okay, that's closer. It really wasn't closer, as we all know. Extra work, background work, it's not acting. But there was one scene in a show called White Collar that I got to be in that was a little, I had a couple things I was able to say on camera and I thought, oh man, I've made it. Of course I didn't. You know, I worked, I think, three or four days on that show, but I was, <laughs> I was not really in the show. And I realized, okay, I have to do something else if I'm going to get speaking part, if I'm going to get a... Uh, under five of if I'm going to get a guest spot. And that's when I started to reach out to agents more. I started to book with money I didn't really have, Actors Connection, one-on-one, -on -one, Actors Green Room. These entities in, in New York would help you get in touch with casting directors and agents of all different varying projects and capacities. And so for me, I was like, okay, well, if I can, if I can get in, in touch with these agents, then it'll, it'll give me an increase my chances. And uh, I did do that. Um, a lot of them led nowhere. A couple of them led to meetings. A couple of them led to auditions. Um, again, thinking I was kind of progressing. I, during my years at the conservatory, I did internships with casting directors, which didn't get me anywhere. It gave me some experience in seeing kind of how things worked, but as an actor, it really wasn't the most exciting thing for me. And it didn't get me closer to the relationships I wanted to make so that I could actually be cast in something. And so just trying to each year get closer and closer to the goal, I realized I was further and further away from the whole point of this whole thing. When I was on stage in, in, in high school, when I was doing After the Fall by Arthur Miller uh, for UIL one-act competition, which was kind of silly for high school to do, but at the time I took it very seriously and did my best, which I'm sure was terrible. My whole goal was to do a good job. I remember being obsessed with the idea of like trying to recreate something real, even though we rehearsed it over and over and over. And that really fascinated me. So I wanted to do a good job. I wanted to live up to what people like Philip Seymour Hoffman were doing. And so I, I said, what am I doing in New York? Like, I'm just, the numbers are there and I'm, I'm increasing my, my rates, but like, what am I doing this for? And I realized I was just trying to chase this goal of get on TV. But thousands of people are on TV and I don't like their work. So what does that mean? And I said, well, I want to be a great actor. That was different because I didn't think I was as good as I, I could have been or I should have been. And I started to realize I was pretty frustrated with my training because it, it left me more self-aware while I acted than it left me equipped to be an artist. And so I started to look at other classes. I started to get back in a room where training was prioritized and I could do a, a great job. There were a select 
number of classes that I went to um, all over New York, and some of them were okay, some of them were not good at all. And all the while this is happening, I'm I'm establishing better and better relationships with, you know, some casting directors and agent here and there. And I start to make some money. And that was another thing people said, like making money as an actor is not going to happen because the job insecurity is real. And I experienced that, you know, I had 15 part-time jobs. I sold renewable energy for five years. Obviously that was a commission job. Uh, I, I repaired cell phone charging stations at various places like MetLife Stadium. I was a busboy. I was a juicer. I was a server. I was a babysitter, a dog sitter. I was a freight elevator operator. I was a maintenance man. I mopped floors. I cleaned commercial buildings and bathrooms and a bunch of other things that I I'm, haven't mentioned and, and a bunch of other jobs. I was starting to get to that goal of, okay, all the work is about to pay off because I booked five days shooting an industrial for a big company and I was the lead role and I made what I thought was amazing money. I made thousands of dollars in a SAG project. So I thought, oh man, I'm killing it. At the same time, I was doing these short films with some great people and then I was, you know, one of those jobs led to a music video, which, which I've talked about, which was the turning point in my life because I was working with amazing project, amazing people. And I was given some direction that I, I couldn't fulfill. And I just was fed up with not being able to act really well and not living up to my potential. Uh, and my girlfriend, now my wife, uh, my girlfriend at the time, she was going to this class and it was a Meisner class. It was two year program. It was Playhouse West Brooklyn. It was an offshoot of Playhouse West from LA. And it required two years. And I rededicated my my life to, at that time, to training and to getting better at acting because what I saw, the work there was just so good. And I knew I needed that and I wanted that. And what that required, and this is what I'll kind of get to when it comes to commitment and dedication as an actor was, we were required to rehearse every single day. We were given a play a week to read. Once we learned analysis, we were required to analyze uh, every play that we did scene work on. Mondays, in my case, were dedicated to technique work where we would learn a specific tool or we would apply that tool that we learned that that month or, or that period. Wednesdays were dedicated to scene work where we would apply those tools to do our best with scenes. The scenes consisted of doing a first read. After you've analyzed the play, you would work your way up to a loose version of the scene where you would kind of put it in your own words and then you would finish out the scene doing a word for word where you don't miss any words and you acted to the best of your ability. You bring the props, the costumes, everything that you need to do what we were looking for, which is to live truthfully under imaginary circumstances with that scene. If the teacher approved of the work, you moved on to a next scene. We were required to rehearse every day. If we didn't, we got kicked out. We were required to be on time. If we were not on time, we got kicked out. It was three hours each class. We met twice a week. In the midst of this time, we also did plays. Uh, I was I was writing, producing films with friends, short films and things that we could make. We also did 120 hour film festivals where you would get the idea on the first day and by the end of the fifth day, you would have to have a completed film. We would do a screening of that. Um, the play, we did a play, Waiting for Lefty, where we did nine performances in a month in, in January uh, of 2016, I believe. And we um, rehearsed all the time. We, we met up and we rehearsed um, to really build the collective energy of that union 
which was it took place in the Great Depression. So it was very important to that those characters, and thus it was important to us. Some people had them themselves on a certain meal plan where they had to eat what they their characters would have eaten. So we were kind of starving. We were working out together. We were pushing each other. We were doing rehearsals all the time. And we were really trying to bring the work that we were doing, the characters that we were working on and the plays we were analyzing to life every single week. And we were kicked out if we if we didn't do that. And kicked out just meant we were no longer able to train to the best of our ability. And I think the school at its peak, you know, reached like 50 plus people. And we were all shar- sharpening each other and, and doing our best. I think I did probably eight or nine scenes throughout the entirety of that program when we went and, and worked on, uh, we, when we kind of not mastered, but really got, got proficient at the basics of the foundational approach to acting, which was repetition exercise, the door on the activity, uh, learning emotional preparation, the use of improvisation, spoon rivers, speeches, uh, scene work, of course, particularizations. Uh, did I say script analysis? I think I did. <clears throat> the tool of fantasy, impediment work and characterizations. When we got to impediments and characterizations, we were required to bring in literary characters. And the literary characters we were required to bring in um, were our choice. I chose Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And we also were required during characterization to read Studs Terkel, which was a famous American journalist who interviewed all subjects, famous, non-famous, well-known, not well-known, in varying degrees and varying subjects. His, his personal premise of journalism was there's no such thing as an uninteresting person. And so every person he interviewed, he tried to get to the interesting aspects of the human being, which in his mind were basically basic psychology and their stories. We were required to bring in interview subjects and then our teacher would be Studs Terkel and we would be the interview subject. And so we would have to physicalize and embody, characterize a, a character, a person that no one had ever done before. So I couldn't watch a performance or a movie and copy anything that was done before it had to be fully formed from my imagination and embodied through my physicalization, through my voice, through my body, through my artistic choices. This obviously led to uh, more scene work where we used characterization and all the tools prior to bring to life three scenes in our final project, three scenes from a play. And mine was Beyond the Horizon by Eugene O'Neill. And I was required to analyze that play, of course, and make artistic choices as if I were doing that play. And so I worked on the full play, even though we brought in three scenes, we took it very seriously. And I learned invaluable lessons that every, every single thing that I share with you guys in podcasts or that I share with you guys in my YouTube videos or my TikTok videos or Instagram videos, or in my one-on-one training or my in-person classes, most of what I'm sharing with you guys, I learned during those two years, not to mention that hours every day spent to rehearsing with my classmates, not to mention how long it took to analyze plays. The first play we analyzed as a group was A View from the Bridge, and we analyzed it one day a week, three hours at a time, and it took us a month to finish the play as a, as a class. So we were averaging like three to six pages a day. Think about how long that takes you. We felt filled up the entire three hours every single time. Because that's the dedication it requires of you to bring something to life. So you need to really learn how to analyze. You really need to learn how to make artistic choices and you need to learn how to train yourself to live truthfully under imaginary circumstances, to work from your instincts 
to make choices that make the dilemma of the character your dilemma, but ultimately to let it go when it's time to act, to also apply that to direction and being able to uphold your standard and integrity of truthful performance whilst also helping execute a director's vision and to tell a writer's story so we can serve the audience. That was the goal, right? All the while I did this two-year program, I was also acting in various projects. So I was doing short films, web series, feature films, plays, etc. This was my two years from 2015 to 2017 in New York City. Remember before that, I was submitting myself every week. I was auditioning as often as possible. I was also getting new headshots all the time, editing. I probably edited 50 versions of my own reel because I learned how to edit in high school where I learned broadcast journalism. And so I would get my own footage, which was a career in and of itself to get, and I would cut it together in a way that I thought was useful. And I did it every wrong way you could imagine until I got it a little bit better each time. And then I finally found a way that was actually conducive to progress. All of this ultimately led to being a trained actor where if I got the part of my dreams, I could bring it to life and do a great job. And it helped open up my artistic process so that I could leave my, my artistic fingerprint on the role that I was blessed to be able to act in. And that gave me the confidence to then really reach out to new agents and new management, which led me to getting new agents in New York and LA. So I had bicoastal representation with, uh, with, with a company. I had the president in LA and then I had uh, the New York department, head of the New York department representing me on the East Coast. I also took a trip to LA and I met with a manager that a friend of mine recommended to me only because he liked my reel, because the work that I had done was sufficient enough to recommend to his manager. The manager looked up my work, he looked me up, he watched my short films I had written and directed myself, and we met for about an hour and a half to two hours in Studio City and we talked a lot about my values, my goals, what I was looking for, the kind of acting that I was doing, what his goals were, what he was doing with his new company. And I left that day with um, an audition for that, that project I've mentioned before in, in past videos, Outer Range, which was a limited Amazon series with Josh Brolin, uh, produced by Plan B with Brad Pitt and all these other people. And I was given the audition for a principal part to play Josh Brolin's son, the character's son, in that show where I played a rodeo cowboy who was like a drunk and all these other things, falling in love with someone that was kind of off limits. And um, I was able to to really work on that audition. And I auditioned for that right when COVID happened, <laughs> right? March 2020 was when I auditioned for that role. And um, things changed after that, obviously. And I moved to Texas and I started two companies and I started the Anytown Actors Lab, which you guys know uh, what I spoke on in this episode, but you know from my content where I train actors one-on-one and in person. Uh, and I also started Anytown Pictures. And our first film, which I mentioned at the top of this podcast, is is being released in a few months. And I've been, I, I co-wrote, co-produced and directed that film in which I act as well. Created the LLCs um, and we've been employing and hiring and I've been training and serving artists and actors and writers and producers and directors on a small scale, but of course we intend to grow. And that work ethic and, and that foundation I established for myself to outwork thousands in front of nobody is something that I take with myself every single day. This is what creates a legacy. This is what 
ultimately leads to, in my dream, the work that will serve the audience, that will help them feel less alone in their experience of life. I'm hoping that stories will connect people. I'm hoping that I can serve those stories the rest of my life. And sometimes you do have to do it on your own. And you do have one life and you do have a a purpose, I believe. And I, I think that you're given gifts and passion for a reason. And I think with humility and with a servant mind and attitude and spirit, you can do so many great things. I think being for others what you wish was there for you is a great way to start networking and dedicating yourself to the best of your ability, I think honors God. And that's my way of doing this business, my way of life. My, my mom was a really great uh, track runner. And when she was running track in high school, one of the things she did and what she passed on to me, which I think is really, really valuable, she would place someone at a certain part of the track. And let's say she was running 1600 meter race. Okay, that's four laps, if I'm not mistaken. And she would have that person yell out her time. What she was racing was her previous time. She wasn't racing opponents. She wasn't racing someone to her left and someone to her right. She was racing her previous time. And what that led to was her sometimes beating people by long stretches, great distances. But she didn't focus on that because she was trying to race her previous time. And that is has helped me a lot. I'm not trying to compete for that job next to some other actor. Yes, business is competitive. And yes, if you want to want the job, well, then being better than the next guy is going to increase your chances. But you can't really, in a, especially in a subjective kind of art form, measure, am I better or worse? Like a lot of times you get you don't get cast in something, not because you're better or worse, but because you're just different. And some things you can't control, my height, how I look, my hair color, my eye color. I can't control certain things about who I am. But I can control my work ethic. I can control my time. And I can get better than I was yesterday. So don't focus on where someone else is today, but focus on being a little bit better than you were yesterday. Don't focus on what the person next to you, what's their time. Focus on your previous time and get a little bit better at that. This is why I love acting training, because I help you find a definition of acting instead of just an opinion. If the definition of acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances, we can take that living truthfully portion and we can focus on that. Start to live truthfully in real circumstances and you will find a way to live truthfully under imaginary ones. Break down what it means to live truthfully. In my training, it was the foundation of truthful living. Truthful acting is the reality of doing. So look at acting as doing. Make sure when you know what you do in a scene, it's pass, fail. Meaning it's doable. It's not just emotional. Meaning I can't do the emotion of, of anger or rage or something. That's a byproduct of what I do with reality. In life, we're always doing something. We have goals. We have times. We're trying to beat certain times, right? We're trying to achieve certain goals, complete certain tasks, get things done. Simplify acting for yourself. If these videos are helping you, that's awesome. If this podcast is helping you, that's great. But find a way to simplify acting into a a doable process so that you can actually get better and closer to a specific goal. That, that, after all, is the definition of drama. 
a hero's journey to overcome those obstacles which prevent them from achieving a specific acute goal. That's what life is. That's what drama is. Focus on what your goal is. If you want to look good in front of thousands, you have to outwork thousands in front of nobody. No one is going to do this for you. So dedicate yourself to the best of your ability. Be excellent in your craft. Serve others. Help them feel less alone. Carry the torch of the artist whose work you've enjoyed endlessly by being excellent, by outworking yourself, by setting the standard a little bit higher, and by elevating your career by doing the best work you possibly can. This is all in your control. As soon as I figured out in business, the best product to market is one that's really good, everything got sorted out for me. If I would have just focused on becoming the best actor I could be first and finding the best program I could, everything would have been a lot easier. Doesn't mean anything is guaranteed, everything's a risk, that's okay. But you increase your chances when you work really hard and you become the best actor you can be because it's really easy to market great acting. You just put it on camera and then you send it out to those that are looking for great acting. It's as simple as that. So become the best actor you can be and you increase your chances at success. I really hope this episode helped you guys. Stay tuned for more episodes where we're going to invite more and more actors on the show. We're going to have real discussions and we're going to package it in a digestible, simplified way for you guys so that you can really tune in, follow, subscribe, and share because it's all in service of your guys' career. Every time I make a video, every time I do a podcast, every time I teach an actor, I think of you guys as if you were myself <laughs> at a certain time, maybe years ago when I was first starting. That's my goal. I hope this podcast has helped. If it's helped, share it with somebody else you know, and if, if you have some time, leave a review if it's helped you, if you've enjoyed it. There's gonna be more, it's only gonna grow and get better from here on out. So thank you so much for joining, subscribing, and following along, especially in our early days. This is In The Moment, an Anytown podcast. Thank you for listening.